Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. Bonus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. clothing choice being something that almost killed us. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. The duo is back again. Tracy, how are you doing, sir? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. You faring fairly well with all that's going on? With a virus lockdown. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, pretty good. We, uh, My wife's a school teacher, so she's at home. Kids are home doing um, what they call the NTI days for uh, the school system. And uh, but, my, but with my work, I'm, I'm still having to get out and uh, go look at homes and stuff, just being very careful about uh, getting too close to people. How about yourself? Same. I've spent a lot more time at home. I, I've been at home or in the woods, and I don't go anywhere else but that. I've been through a drive-through maybe once or twice, but we uh, we're pretty well prepared here. We haven't felt much stress over the, all the the panic buying and stuff like that. I'm sure you're the same way. We haven't been through that, but we live in a small town. You know, population the, the city limits is population 400 or so. We just we just don't have that panic yet. Right. Not to say that supplies are thin, but every time that we've been down to our local little grocery, it's we've always had stuff to buy. 
I've wandered through this. There's just not much data on there. Communities like that, if they're, you know, typically, and maybe I, maybe this is just wrong mindset that typically people in smaller communities are a little bit more self-reliant anyway. So they don't fall victim to this sort of thing as easily. You know, at one point, you know, throughout history, I would agree 100% with that. But I think as the generations come along, there's less and less people gardening. There's less and less people canning. Mm -hmm. There's less and less farms. It's changing, definitely. Uh, My wife and I, we've been here at the house for about three years, going on four. Our plans, you know, was to have some chickens in a garden and all that kind of stuff. But we just haven't had time to clear the land and get everything set up. We're not nearly as far along as, as we want to be, but I think that's getting less and less, Craig. I think less people are, are doing and preparing and setting back even out in the country. If this hadn't happened, I was thinking about interviewing my dad and interviewing him all the way through the season of his garden. But I don't want to be around him right now just because of coronavirus being the recommended, you know, stay away from everybody, particularly elderly. So, Yeah, it's tough. My dad's 84 and got a touch of asthma, so... Mm, we have good. to really kind of maintain our distance and stuff, but especially where I'm out. You know, I'm still, like I said, going in homes and have to be around at least a certain amount of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, I sure wash down whenever I get back in the truck and wash my steering wheel and everything else down. You know, try mm-hmm. to do what I can. But at some point in time, you know, life has to kind of keep creeping along. But yeah, we, we try to maintain our distance from dad and we have a couple of else, others in the family that we have to stay away. But I think it'd be neat to uh, interview some of those guys in that generation. I don't know how old your dad is. Dad, like I said, dad's 84. But I just remember stories of dad getting up. He'd say, you know, during the winter months, he would wake up and have to shake the snow off his quilts or the frost or and that kind of setup mm-hmm. and deal and have to go out and get water and milk and everything. It'd be a different setup than what we have here. I'm not too sure too many people could survive right now. And yeah, no, we... Uh... Even long before this coronavirus thing, we have couch time every night where we all sit on the couch and talk about something from the day. Somebody's got some story about work or school back in the day. But topic of conversation that came up last night was Anne Frank. Anne Frank was in a 400-square-foot attic for 700-and-some days. (laughs) No, we don't have it hard. And we got people freaking out first week. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, I don't know. But I I probably got it better than most. I've got... 19 and a half acres directly in my backyard. So mm-hmm. we can definitely walk back there. And we do two or three sure. times a day, you know, we walk back. It's pretty good. Well, you want to get started? Yeah, let's do it, dude. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a special treat on the podcast today. We're going to discuss a topic that we don't discuss very much, and that is the concept of self-rescue. If you've been listening to us, we have several episodes that we entitled Lost and Found, where we go through the events leading to some type of search and rescue event. But today's topic is going to be self-rescue. In this particular case, had the people not self-rescued, then I can tell you even at this very second would be different because the story that we are going to go over today includes the one and only Craig Cottle, the co-host of Nature Reliance Media. So as we go through this, Craig, let me say I'm very, very happy that you made it through the story that we're going to go through. Uh, let's get into it and see what see what this tells. So we're going to start out, Craig, set us up on the story. 
tell us what uh, tell us what we're going to be going over today in general terms. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> well, as far as the podcast is concerned, Tracy and I've talked about this a couple times, and I've talked about it with several other people about learning from our mistakes, and that is basically what we're going to do here today. Is I've made some mistakes on a particular trip when I was a much younger man. I think the goal is to to take what I did that was a mistake and learn from it. Now, the the trip was basically a canoe trip, and a lot of things went really well, and some things went very poorly. And I would like to emphasize, as we go through the story, those things hopefully will come out. I'll try to emphasize, hey, yeah, I think we did that right, and hey, I think we did that wrong, because I have run this story over in my head uh, uh, probably a million times. I mean, it's just been uh, a lot of thought has gone into this because, again, there's a near tragedy that happened in the middle of it, and I was right in the middle of that tragedy. The big thing that I want to get across as far as self-rescue, because we don't recommend, Tracy and I don't recommend that very often, and I think you'll see where it was needed in this particular case. Most of the time, I just want to emphasize one more time that typically the best thing to do when you're lost, for example, is to sit down waiting for search and rescue to come get you. Uh, do everything you can to let people know where you are when you're expected to return home. Stay in communication with cell phone or ham radio or some variation of it, some communication when and where you can, and just stay put until somebody comes to help you out. But in this case, if we had done that, me and the fellow that I was with, we would have died, and there's no doubt about it that we would have died. Uh, ultimately, I guess the point being is that safety is your own responsibility and you need to have clear decision-making in the midst of it. We do recommend uh, staying put. We had we had just a search and rescue two days ago where we are walking in to rescue four lost talkers. We got their coordinates off of their phone, talked them through it. So we knew where they were. We get close to that area and they are not there. We get keep going, keep going. We finally get in yelling distance and we send out a couple people to them get to them and they've been moving the whole time walking in the sheer dark so yes stay put stay put stay put so i think you alluded to this you said a canoe trip yeah it was um it was when i was in my early 20s my first child lily had been born she was still a baby the fellow that i and i'm on i'm not going to name the person that went with me because he is very high up in the first responder community right now. <laughs> oh, really? yeah. and, and I'm not so sure that he wants people to know this happened to him because he's the one that, well, he was a catalyst to this happening the way it did. So uh, he was just a good friend of mine. We had been running a lot of rivers, a lot of creeks for two, three, maybe four years at that time. When I say running, we were at that time, we were paddling a lot in open deck canoe. Both of us had, Super cheapo Coleman canoes, not the type to run really rough water or anything of that nature. But because we had been doing it so much, it was one of those things where we were a team and we didn't we didn't have to say anything. We just knew what the other one was going to do at different times and and so we had run we had run below the falls of Cumberland Falls. We had run the Rock Castle River before this. We had run the Red several times. Uh, all these have some whitewater portions to them, and we had run them in an open deck canoe. So the point being is that you all have seen some pretty hairy waters. 
I mean, this wasn't yeah. your first canoe trip or first time that you all had seen high waters or anything like that. No, there was a lot of different, um, if it could have happened during those years, we did, we ran and I'm not, and this is the part where, uh, I think I should go ahead and start emphasizing this ego got in the way in this particular story we're discussing today, but it got in, got in the way of several other stories that just turned out all right. And that was part of the problem. Like we ran the red river one time at severe flood stage in a lightning storm and probably Again, one of the dumbest things I've ever done. It, it wasn't that we had to. We got out and got in the middle of a storm. We hadn't looked at the weather <laughs> to see what was coming. And that was a that was a huge mistake. And got in the middle of a storm and didn't want to just stay on the side of the river. We should have just sheltered in place on the side of the river and just came out the next day. Right. But it was ridiculous. And, that, and again, heck, we could talk about that story sometime too because that's got its own take to it. But... To make, to go back to your original question, sorry, I got off on a tangent. Yeah, we had run a bunch of rivers. I tell people all the time, if you have not run the Red River, then you haven't seen the real Red River Gorge because it's about the only way to see the straight up cliffs is to be in the middle of the river. You've been in the area, but to see the actual gorge, you've got to be on the river. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, there's sections of it. There is no way out. You either paddle your way down it because you're not going to portage because there is no, there is no place to portage. It's, it's pretty rough. Let me interject just a quick story here. You talking about doing dumb things. I'll tell you a quick story about my dad. Whenever my dad was a young boy, he grew up on Glady Creek, which dumps into the red river there. Whenever huge storm came through, raised the Glady Creek up, he and all the boys in the area would go down, find a log floating, coming down, jump in, grab that log, ride it all the way into Red River, and from Red River all the way into Stanton, get out and walk all the way back into Menifee County. Now, our listeners may not know exactly where that is, but you are familiar with that area. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that is so how many, tremendous. Would, how many miles would you guess that is, Tracy, for those that I don't, don't know? I don't know. I meant to measure it one day because my another brother and I were discussing it, but it's miles. And the, and I'm talking dad was 12, 13 years old and to jump in and ride a log down on a flooded Creek and river like that is just beyond my belief. So crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, let's get started. So set us up on this trip. How did, how did y'all yeah. get started? What, what were your plans? <clears throat> so we had planned on going on this particular trip. And again, we were going almost probably for a while we were going every weekend, probably for a year. You know, think about that. That was, you know, 50 plus trips. We were out a lot, but on this particular trip, uh, we had not been going out that much. And so, uh, we had one weekend we could go and we, it, we knew it was raining when we were getting in, but it wasn't severe and getting out in the rain's no big thing, but there was high water. We were going to get in on the rock castle river. There was a livery there. Um, and I think it's livery, maybe livery. I don't know how you actually say that, but that's where somebody who holds canoes and puts canoes in for people and stuff of that nature. We had our own boat, but the guy told us, uh, we contacted him, called him and said we were going to put in and he told us we were crazy. He said, I'm not renting any boats. This water's so high. So you all have got to go at your own risk. I do not support you all going in, but we did put in, he did allow us to put in. And I remember putting in and it was pouring the rain the water was up 
And he said, guys, I'm, I'm really scared for you. Just do your best. And he had seen it several times. So he knew we had skill, but you know, a guy who was running a canoe place was concerned for us, heavily concerned for us. Uh, we didn't have what I would call technical clothing or anything of that nature. We did know at that time that polar fleece should keep you warm when it was wet. So we both had polar fleece jackets, probably had typical BDU pants on or something of that nature. I don't remember exactly in cotton t-shirts. That was the clothing choices. Terrible, terrible choices for a trip like that. We had, we had pretty advanced dry bags at that time so that everything, all of our gear that was in our bags was secure no matter if it was raining or if it fell out or anything of that nature. And the intent was to go out for two days and stay out one night. Now the section of the river, I, I want to say, this is just going from memory, but I want to say that section was about 14 miles and it's usually a one day trip. We could have run it in one day, but we decided we wanted to purpose ourselves to take our time and uh, stay out on the river. One of the things that we had to do to get there was delivery guy. And this is where he had helped us. We took my truck. I drove a little blue S 10 parked it at B rock campground. For those that know where we are here in Kentucky. And I left the keys to the vehicle with the guy because he drove our truck there. He we we put in the river at his place. He drove my truck to B Rock, stuck the keys under the mat, and locked the truck up and then went back home. What I had was another set of keys to my truck in the dry bags, and this is an important point, so remember this. I kept the keys that I could get into my truck inside of one of my dry bags with all my gear and all that kind of good stuff we put in on the river and headed out. I can already see where the keys in the dry bag might be an issue coming down the story. Oh, yeah. Here's the first first question that I got for you. And, Greg, I apologize if I interrupt you, but I'll probably have no. several questions for you. The individual who runs this put-in said no-go, and he does this probably every day of his life. Did mm-hmm. you all not discuss that? Did that? No. That didn't cross your mind? No. No. Matter of fact, and, th- and this is this is why I put a – a whole section, nearly a whole chapter in, in the in my first book on ego, we kind of laughed at him, not laughed at him in his face. Right. But when we got on the river, we kind of laughed about it because we were 10 foot tall and bulletproof, right? Yeah, we were in our own minds and we were good. Don't get me wrong. We were good. We were actually very, very good. Some of the stuff that we did was remarkable. Yeah, I've said it a million times. There's a big difference between cockiness and confidence. And this story is one of the reasons I say that because we were cocky. And that nearly led to not just the boat getting screwed up and us getting hurt, nearly nearly me dying. We literally got on the river and got away from his house and we're laughing. The guy I don't always talk about, he's too, you know, in our minds, he's an old guy. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So your setup that you have in your canoe right now, is that everything to this point was pretty typical? Your pretty clothing, typical. your setup, your... Uh, gear that you took, the way you stole it, uh, stole it on your canoe and everything was pretty typical. Very typical. Um, we, the, the only thing that was out of the order on this particular trip was the weather was a lot worse than we were typically on a river at high water, but we had been on rivers at high water. So that didn't concern us either. Mm-hmm. And it should have. And it should have. Okay. So you all get to the river you, you put in and now you're on the uh, water. Tell us how the trip initially starts to go. 
We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. Well, on this particular section of the Rock Castle, the first probably three quarters of this trip is flat water. It's just paddling. And I've paddled that river at least half a dozen, maybe seven, eight times. I haven't been on it a lot. That section of the river is actually, it gets kind of tiring when the water's down because you literally, it's its almost like paddling on a lake. You literally have to be the the motion that gets you down the river. You have to push yourself down the river with a paddle, which is no big deal if you're a paddler. But point being, it wasn't rough. It wasn't hardcore. It wasn't anything of that nature. We used it not shortly after we got going, maybe an hour, maybe two hours into the trip, the rain stopped. So we were just fishing. I mean, we'd caught a ton of smallmouth, and that was our intent. We didn't, this is another thing, talk about survival is we didn't take any food we took some kentucky kernel seasoning and we took a grill and our intent was we were going to catch fish and we were going to cook them on the side of the river that night and that's what we were going to have for food so that was that's what we did and we did we caught a bunch of smallmouth we were going to eat good that night actually so the only thing that came up is right before we were going to go to camp and trying to set up for the night there's one long, and I can see it in my mind right now. I, I can see us running it right now. There's one long strip, maybe a good 50 yards of the river, that is very narrow. The river is really wide, and then it narrows, and it gets really rough. But at high water, it wasn't too bad. But it was rough enough that we dumped the canoe. Literally, we took on so much water because there's so much water dumping into the canoe. Because, again, this is this is why I mentioned it was open deck. With a lot of rapids and a lot of waves, water just dumping into the boat basically made it very unstable, and we dumped it. And when we did, we lost everything. When I say lost everything, everything came out. We had to go gather it up, pick it up, put it back in the boat, got in again, and did it again. And so we got really frustrated because we had this gear that kept falling out. And so this is mistake number two, <laughs> in that we got tired of everything just falling out, so we literally tied it into the boat the dry bags, we tied everything in and secured it so it would not fall out if the boat capsized again. And, and that, that's something that y'all never did before. That is not something we normally did because we very rarely dumped anyway. Okay. But again, the water was so high and it wasn't that we were dipping and turning and the boat, the side of the boat was going down into the water, which, you know, we were good so that that wasn't happening. What was literally happening, the waves were so big, they were hitting the boat and just falling into it. And when that happens, you know, you've got a canoe that's half or three quarters full of water. It's, I mean, basically, at one point, I remember we were going down that chute and I was sitting in water inside the canoe, paddling, trying to keep it stable. There was so much water that it 
dumped into it. Good time for a kayak, right? <laughs> Not a good time for an open deck canoe. Not a good time for an open deck canoe at all. Yeah, it'd be hard to maneuver with that much water in there. Yeah. Just a couple other things that we, and, and this, this plays out really important later on too in this story. Before we got on the river, this is one thing that we did very, very intelligently is we didn't have GPS. We didn't have any cell phones. We didn't have any way of communicating with anybody. Nobody really knew except our wives where we were going and they didn't have any idea how to self-rescue. They didn't know who to contact. So it was, you know, all the things that we tell people to do, you and I tell people to do now, this story is part of the reason why, or at least from my perspective, is one of the way I learned a very valuable lessons. But what we did do is we got a topography map and looked at it because we knew the river was going to be up. And we looked at it to determine if we lost the canoe, which we had never done. And I can't believe we had this conversation. If we lost the canoe, where we should go, what we should do. And we actually talked about it. We had a pretty in-depth discussion. As we looked at different markers along the river and imprinted those in our minds that if we were past this point on the river and we dumped, we would go to this side of the river to get out. And if we were past another point on the river, we'd go on the other side of the river to get out. For those that have paddled the Rock Castle, before you get to the Narrows, there's a severe 90-degree turn in the river. Heck, it might not be there now. This happened over 20 years ago. It might be washed out a bit more now. But there was a severe 90-degree turn in the river that you could literally see on the map. Before that point, we were to go to the the east side of the river beyond that we were supposed to go to the west and we knew that because if we went at that junction and went to the west we could actually run into the shelter we trace and hike the trace out to be rock so we made that plan if something were to happen and i'm very thankful that we did is that something that you all did on uh, previous trips we did some when we were going to a new place we would get the map out and look at it we didn't have much as far as what land nav skills like you have like hopefully i have now but we did have good what i would you know what you what you call terrain association we know how to read a topography map using a compass i had no idea really at that time in my life how to use a compass but terrain association i used all the time so yeah if we were particularly if we were going somewhere new or place that we hadn't been often we had been on this river before and we got in a discussion about that big 90-degree turn. I don't know why we got in a discussion about it. Don't remember why now. And thinking that that was a big marker for where we should go if if something were to happen to us. That's interesting. Let me ask you this. To go out now, we would be able to put our maps in map-protecting gear. Did you all have anything like that? What Did you take the map with you, or did you commit everything to a mental picture? At that time, we committed everything to a to a mental picture. Now I did have the map and I had it in a small dry bag that was inside of my big dry bag. So it wasn't something, this is another thing that you taught me, Tracy, which I'm very thankful for, is keeping that map handy where you can utilize it regularly is an invaluable practice in any land navigation. And I did not have that. You know, I've what what I did know about land navigation at that time I just figured out and flummoxed on myself, you know. I mean it was and it wasn't good is what I'm trying to say. There was no getting that map out because everything was deep down in the bottom of a pack. And my thought was I would commit to memory. And I think this is good. And I think this is something that people miss today. 
is I paid such such good attention to where I was that I knew all the turns. I knew where the creeks were. I had committed a memory before I got on the river. A creek comes in on the left side here. You go a little bit further. You have that 90 degree turn. And somewhere after that 90 degree turn, that's where you want to camp. I had memorized creeks. I had memorized where the closest structure was and that we should see it on the way down. And I just developed a mental picture. Today, particularly at my age, I would probably write all that stuff down as well as have the map and have Gaia and all the things that we have now. <laughs> but, uh, and I would probably, you know, on Gaia, I would probably put those points on the map so that I could, you know, relate back to them as I was paddling. But we know we didn't regularly go that in depth into navigation. And the guy that I was with didn't do it at all. He thought that was silly. He said, just, was silly. he was one of those things where it's like, let's just paddle. Now, again, I'm not going to say his name, but he might listen to this, but, uh, he would not do that today either. We live and learn, don't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. You, so you're on the water, basically pretty much all flat water now. Yeah. Uh, you've been fishing. One little you, short trip, yeah, in, yeah. in the rapids. And you've been fishing. You caught your um, dinner or supper. And did you, you all made it to your campsite? Did. We made it exactly where we wanted to go. Set up camp, had a good meal. It sounds like a great trip so far. It was. It was. We had, uh, we set up on a little, there was a small little beach and I could still see this. And we did this pretty regular too, but we built a campfire on the beach. We, we had a way that we set the canoe up where we leaned up it, leaned up against it like it was a recliner. Uh, I had an old grill, a round circular grill that we took everywhere. We took it with us for years and also took a skillet that belonged to my wife. And that, that comes up in the story here in a minute too. But she she told me, she said, I want this skillet back. You've got to get this skillet back. And uh, it was just, it wasn't an iron uh, iron skillet. It was just a regular, you know, cooking skillet or what have you. But anyway, uh, we cooked up some fish. We cooked up, I can't even remember what all we had. Tracy, we had went off. I knew a little bit about edible plants back then. And so we probably got something from the ground. I don't know what it was. And we fixed it up, put the fish on the grill with Kentucky kernel seasoning and and sat back like kings my and it was it was awesome we had set up next to this little eddy there was a little eddy that come off the river and we were right next to it and there was a huge rapid just down river from this eddy huge and we would sit there and listen to it the whole night it was very soothing to sleep back then we just laid tarps down had a blanket that laid over top of us what we had done in the past when it had rained was we would just, both of us would sleep underneath the canoe and keep as much water off of us as we could. That was our only shelter at that time. So yeah, it was up to this point. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Great trip. Was it raining at this time? Or no, it, it, it had, had already quit raining. Stopped. Yeah. Yeah. We were, it was, it was gorgeous. So it turned out to be a good night to yeah. lay on the beach, if you will, and, and enjoy. Yeah. It was one of those times that, uh, is probably one of the best memories I have. And then it turned into one of the worst memories I have if the second part of the trip, well, for sure. <clears throat> that was going to be my next question. I don't see where the problem is. Well, here's what happened on the next day. We spent the night out, slept good, ate good. And what we typically do, because we packed pretty lightly, we always paddled in the same clothes. So we would take off the clothes that we had paddled in the day before, sit them on a canoe, let them dry out. And uh, we would have warm, dry clothes on during the night. And when we got up the next morning, uh, everything was comfortable. But we were going to put those wet clothes back on to start padding because we didn't want to get another set of clothes wet. 
Okay. And this is, this is key to what happened here. This is very, very key to what happened. Clothing choice being something that almost killed us. We got the canoe ready. We tied everything. We were getting ready to start hitting all the rapids. We had already hit all the flat water and there's no more flat water left. The rest of the trip is going to be rapids and it was going to be rough and we knew it. And so we were getting our mindset ready to, to do what we needed to do. Got everything in a canoe. We did a stability check, meaning we put everything in new, put it in the water, and then looked at it to make sure it was level, left and right, level front to back. And it looked great. Everything looked perfect. And we had the canoe sitting there ready to get in. And, and then the last thing we always did was we just put our wet clothes back on. We put the wet clothes back on. We had not gone forward and seen what was in front of us. And we always did that in rapids. We were very careful. We always went ahead and checked the river out. And so we would literally walk down the river at any big rapid and we would stand there and talk about it and go, okay, we're going to hit it over here on this side. You're going to hit this. I'm going to hit this. If it doesn't go right, we're going to do this. We would literally talk our way through each rapid. And we had been, again, we had been doing this for years and this is where our big mistake came in. We had run this river. We put the clothes on and we were both freezing. We were starting to shake because we were cold. And from, from putting wet clothes back on, I will never forget him saying, F it, let's just run it. Let's not scout it out. Huge mistake. That poor clothing choice nearly killed us because here's what happened. To follow the story, click on part two. That wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blind School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.